Music from the band Enigma. Catch them around southeast Nebraska. They provide the music for the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio show. Hey, that's Jim, that's us. Yeah. Are, are we on? We're on. We on the air, man? Right, people are listening. Let's, let's, let's pick it up here a little where's, bit. Where's Bob? <laughs> Dave's not here, man. Yeah, Dave's not here. Okay, where's Dave? <laughs> so Jim and Scott here and you guys and gals, we're going to have a, a bang-up of a show. We're yeah. going to start with Colleen. Yeah, we're not going to start with Colleen. No. She's not here. How about, no, we'll do, how about we'll, Charlene? We'll do Pet Talk with Charlene. Yeah. Then we've got Janelle Rapp talking about um, her work advocating for missing people. And the main guest, Paula Harris, the UFO mystery. Oh, boy. I've got some uh, hot, fresh, very strong Colombian in my cup. Mm-hmm. We drink Colombian. We don't smoke it here. <laughs> we drink it. Yeah. Now, this is some really strong coffee. Boy. We're strictly legal here. And let's start the program with Pet Talk with Charlene from the Capital Humane Society. She should be right there. Hi, Charlene. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Are you going to the game today? I am not. I will be working here. Uh, as will I. I think Nebraska's playing Purdue today, so we hope to get on the, on the win side today, but it should be a good game. I hope folks uh, actually turn out for the game, despite we have like a little drizzle coming down. Jim thought it was like kind of a spooky day today. 47 degrees and light rain. <laughs> wow. Didn't we have like 90s just a week ago? We did. Yeah, it's been interesting, but I do like the cooler weather. Yeah, I'll take this. Oh, me too. Um, Tails and Ties Dinner coming up. Tell us about that. Yes, that's a wonderful event we have. It's our 32nd annual. Um, It's a great fundraiser for us at the Cornhusker Hotel. Um, We do have information on our website about how to buy tickets and all that's involved that night. Um, We do have a silent auction, a live auction. Um, It's a great time just to meet new friends and hear about all the good work being done at Capital Humane Society. Uh, 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 Guests are not actually required to have tails, correct? (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you've got to leave uh, yours at home, Jim. Yeah, I might get some odd guests this time of year. Okay, you know, I just read a post on Facebook, too, about um, their uh, rural acreage starting to be overrun by what exists in the country and likes to come inside in the winter, by mice. Well, and my good little mouser caught one in the house last night. And she oh, was, really? She's a little cross with me for taking it away from her. So <laughs> the Capital Humane Society has a working cat program. Tell us about that. That is a great program. Um, we do have cats that come in that may not be appropriate for a house pet, but they will make a great working cat. Uh, so there's an application online at capitalhumanesociety.org. So if you have an outbuilding, um, a barn, uh, a, a cat might be a great um, benefit for you, and we do have the working cat program. The cats are spayed and neutered, they're microchipped, and ready to do some work at your place. Yeah, growing up, my grandparents had a farm down by Superior, Nebraska, um, closer actually to Hardy than Superior, 
And I remember being a little boy and, and wondering about those animals that were in the, gro- mm-hmm. the big barn, and those were cats that were kind of prowling around there. They didn't like me. They ran away from me, but uh, I remember the cats in the barn down there. Well, we've also got cats and kittens for you if you live in a, a house apartment with permission, of course, from any landlord. And we've got great cats that we're looking at today. The website is capitalhumanesociety.org, and you're welcome to follow along with us at home. Follow that bouncing ball. And Charlene, who's up first? We're going to start with Berlioz, a little tabby kitten. He is nine weeks old, domestic short hair, adorable little orange tabby, very playful and social. Uh, His litter mate was adopted, so now it's his turn, and he will make a great little friend. And what a cutie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Burl for short, what a cool name, Burlios or Burl. Yes. <laughs> okay, he starts off our cats for adoption today. Two cats are better than one, so. Next up is Duchess, and she's five Ooh. months old, a domestic short hair, a very, very pretty cat. She is always just engaging, curious about what's going on, just a nice personality. So if you're looking for a young, pretty cat, ask about Duchess. Beautiful. Check out that inquisitive look on her face. Uh-huh. Checking out the camera. <laughs> okay, two great cats, Berlioz and Duchess, and then... Next up is Jordan, a very handsome cat, four years old, also a short hair, loves to chat, loves to be given attention. Um, Our volunteer was just petting him and petting him yesterday, and he couldn't get enough. So if you're looking for an affectionate friend, ask about Jordan. Kind of a gray and brown tabby look there, very handsome fellow. Mm -hmm. Yep. This is a fun page just to bookmark the uh, Cats and Kittens for Adoption. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, go there at least once a week and check the page out. There are some great, great cats there that will just uh, steal your heart and your imagination. We have four pages of cats today. Yes, lots of cats, wow. lots of kittens. So if you're looking for a feline, we hope you'll come see us soon. Berlioz, Duchess, and Jordan, three great cats for adoption. Here's Charlene with Hours Open. We will be open at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. And uh, dogs for adoption. Let's talk about some dogs. We'll start with Joey. And Joey is a very cute chocolate lab, about a year old. A happy dog, loves to be with people, loves attention, loves to play. So is looking for people who have plenty of time to provide him with training and exercise and proper care. Uh, ready to find a great home with somebody soon. Oh, he does look like a happy fella. Uh-huh. What a great name, too. Hey, Joey, come here. Let's go play Frisbee. <laughs> great, great-looking dogs on this page. Okay, who's up next? Luke. And Luke is a very intelligent dog, eight months old, a Border Collie Australian Shepherd Cross. Uh, very, very energetic. So if you're familiar with those breeds, you know they have a lot of energy and need an outlet for that energy. Um, he might even make a great running partner. So he's young, ready to be trained, very smart, um, ready to find a good home. Oh, I can't resist this. Use the force, Luke. <laughs> yeah. 
Wouldn't be cool hand Luke, it'd be cool paw Luke. Okay, great looking dog. And if you want to want a dog to help herd the kids toward the car in the morning to go to school, <laughs> Luke would Luke, get the kids. Come on now. Mom, Luke won't let me. Okay, lots of fun here. We've got to Joey, Luke, and then Next up is tiny little Abel. Five months old, a little chihuahua, just a tiny little thing, a little bit nervous, looking for somebody who understands nervous little dogs. Uh, he would love a calm home, a warm lap to cuddle on, and, a, again, a family that will make him feel nice and safe. Okay, that's cool. We've got uh, uh, Abel, a very small dog, somewhat uh -huh. nervous. And... Uh, don't forget, folks, there's a dog that's been out here since, I think, December, and uh, her name is Baby Girl, and she is a, a wonderful dog that has been waiting for just that right home, which could be your home. So also take a look at the profile for Baby Girl, and I would, as I said last week, I would love to have one of you folks contact me and say, guess what, we just adopted Baby Girl. So she's been out there long enough. I think one of you guys and gals out there You've been waiting long enough, too. Go out and see Baby Girl. Here's Charlene with Hours Open. Please come visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. We are open Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. And when I talk to you, I guess I'll just say, I'll talk to you next month, huh? <laughs> because oh, we're wow. going to flip, yeah, we're gonna flip the, the calendar page here, and it's going to be October. Oh, Amazing. my goodness, Charlene. We <laughs> walked by the, the uh, closet and all the sweaters. And uh -huh. hoodies are saying, wear me, pick me, uh -huh. pick me. Oh, it's wonderful. Just love I've it. I started already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, and we, we all play the game now in Nebraska about when do we turn the heat on. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, always good to talk with you, my friend. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you. Have a great day. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborne, and we've got uh, a great show coming up. We've got Janelle Rapp next, who is an advocate for missing people. Our main guest, Paula Harris. And luckily, when I spilled part of my cup of coffee, it didn't smudge things too much. I can still read between the, uh, between the lines here. Um, we've got some great guests coming up. I've got, uh, gosh, I'm scheduling January and February now of 2019 there's going to be a 2019 because i've already seen the calendars printed so next up is janelle rapp and janelle i'm talking to you i think from lincoln in fact i know i am i believe you're on the west coast this morning aren't you i am i'm in the los angeles area okay los angeles and janelle how That's are you right. this fine morning I'm great. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I've got strong Colombian coffee uh, in my <laughs> in my coffee cup, and I'm just I'm doing great. That's great. Um, That's great. A bit a bit of uh, serious. How do you how do you stay focused when we talk about missing people, knowing that your own sister is missing? Stay focused. Wow. Well, um, that's an interesting question. 
I guess I just, I know what the families go through. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like. And I don't want anybody to feel like that or have the weight of that burden for years. Mm -hmm. And so I just do what I can to relieve that, whether that's getting media for them or talking to them or posting their loved one on our website, Mm -hmm. whatever we can do to give them a little comfort to make them feel like somebody cares. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at Dugan's Pub on the night of Monday, October 17th, 2000, and your sister Gina Bose performed down there. Um, There was a band that performed after her, and then the band that I was with, the Relics, got up on stage and, and we closed the club. And uh, after Mole, the manager, um, got everybody out of the club, we began to pack up our equipment. We went out a side door and uh, stood outside, um, jawboned for a little bit, then went to our cars and drove home. And we all found out the next day or the next couple of days that your sister that had been at the club that night had gone missing. And the reason why I'm being serious here is because uh, there were three kids, as I understand it, that were waiting for mom to come home that night that never saw their mom again. That's true. It's important to have people understand that this is not just a lark, just a happy stance. Uh, This is something that affects people very, very deeply, and it's a lasting situation. So we'd like to um, appeal to folks out there that have any information at all about the disappearance of Gina Bose. That was October 17, 2000, after she performed at Dugan's Pub, to please contact the Lincoln Police Department, 402-441-6000. And in a larger sense now, this personal tragedy of yours, Janelle, moved you to start wondering about other missing people. And now you become an advocate for them, haven't you? I have. Um, I don't think that I would have had my sister not disappeared mm-hmm. because I simply thought that the people that we hear about on the news that are missing are the only ones that are missing. I didn't realize that there were others who are missing that we never hear about or that we rarely hear about. Um, I didn't realize that only those with the proper scandal or suspect or story were the ones that got all the attention. I just thought if someone's missing, the whole world should know about it. And that's not how it works. And so I, I just had to do something about it, even though I'm not super famous and I, I don't have you know, all the money in the world to throw at this problem, but I, I could do what I could do. And, and that's what I'm asking people to do is what they can do. And what you can do is share a missing person's flyer on social media and ask your friends to share. And just with that sharing, people have been found. So you have power to do something to make a difference with missing people and with other things. You know, there, it is, the small acts that make the difference because it's only one set of eyes. It takes one set of eyes that knows something about my sister or about somebody else's sister, brother, mother, father, 
that will make the difference. Just one set of eyes. So if you can go to our website at 411gina.org, go to Nebraska Missing, share my sister, share other people's sisters, uh, or you can look for other states missing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be Nebraska. There's an annual event called the Squeaky Wheel Tour. And an interesting term because back in the old days when people used wagons and buggies and carriages, the wheel that got the attention, that got the grease, was the squeaky wheel. And this is is a way to call attention to people that are missing. I'm looking at the squeaky wheel uh, tour page. And that's easily found off your website by clicking on that that logo, that box. And uh, missing people that are being profiled here in Lincoln, besides your sister Gina Bose, is Benjamin Cannon, Margaret Hoist, or Holst, Edward Parker, Tyler Thomas. These are all folks that were members of our community. These are folks that have brothers and sisters, in some cases, parents, relatives, best friends, sometimes spouses. These are folks that uh, never came home. So we're asking for your help in going to 411, that's numerical 411gina.org, and helping share that and spread the news. And there are, there are bright, bright notes to this work, isn't there? You can occasionally have somebody that is found, that is discovered, um, and there's a number of reasons why that sometimes takes some time. Um, yes, the, the bright spot is when somebody is found. Um, the very first year that I started doing this, I really thought all I could do was get media for the people Um, because I knew a lot of people didn't know how to get media and being a singer-songwriter, it was something that I had learned to do on the road. I knew I could get it for myself, so I thought, well, I could get it for other people. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do that. And so that's what I thought my job was. I would just help people to get media for their missing loved one, get attention for them. had no dream even of finding someone because I couldn't find my own sister so how could I find yours Mm -hmm. and then when somebody was found I went wow I have to do this you know I I really don't have any choice now you know I have to continue and uh, many people have been found that we have profiled over the years um, with artists all over the world we have profiled missing people in 14 different countries and almost every state in the United States so um, it has become, uh, I guess, uh, my life's work in a way. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it doesn't define me uh, because I'm I'm a musician. You know, it doesn't define me, but it it does. Uh, it is something that I do. It is something that I can do, and we all have something that we can do mm-hmm. to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to pin you down for exact figures, but uh, off the top of your head, in the United States, how many people are reported missing each year? Well, I just did the numbers last night, interestingly enough. I put it on my Facebook, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's 
Um, in 2017, the numbers came in at like 680,000 missing persons reports. Wow. wow. And fortunately, most of those people are found. But at the end of the year, at the end of 2017, there were about 88,000 that were still not found. Mm-hmm. And my sister is included in that number. Yeah, and I, I would have guessed low. I would have guessed 50,000, so 88,000. Um, yeah. Janelle, you are a singer-songwriter, and um, you perform your own music, and uh, I would imagine cover tunes of some other um, people's stuff. And then you're also a real estate broker out there in the West Coast. <laughs> I am. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Um do that. Does, 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 your, does your son still perform with you? He doesn't very much. Uh, once in a great while, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I would love to perform with him more, but he has a life. <laughs> Imagine mm-hmm. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he, he does his own thing. In Lincoln, Nebraska, on the anniversary of Gina Bosa's disappearance, October 17th, uh, there'll be events at the Meadowlark Coffee and Espresso Shop, at The Bay, and at Crescent Moon Coffee House. Uh, those are all events taking place, and uh, their primary focus is to make people aware of the disappearance of Gina Bose, October 17th, 2000. Janelle, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And anything else you want to say to our audience this morning? I I just want to reiterate that, you know, there is something you can do. You can share a flyer. You can share it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever you use. um, And you can make a difference. And on October 17th, that's what we're doing. We're having uh, Gina's flyers will be there. And we're asking people, customers that come in to get some coffee, to take a picture of her flyer and share it on social media. Mm. And we're hoping that some tips will come in and we'll know something. Janelle, if you would tag me in your Facebook announcement, I'll make sure and share that with all my friends, too. Okay. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate your time every year. I appreciate all of your support. It really does mean a lot after all these years. 18 years is a long time to yes. continue to look. Yep, and I will, and con- I I will continue this. I will continue the, the support and help until we find Gina. Thank Janelle, you thank so you so much. much, and I hope your voice continues to soar when you want it to. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, God bless you. Right. Keep up the good work. You too. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. The website, again, for more information is 411-GINA, that's G-I-N-A dot org. And you're going to see a uh, button that says Squeaky Wheel Tour. If you click on that, it'll take you right to the same page I'm looking at for the events in Lincoln, October 17th at Meadowlark, the Bay, and Crescent Moon. Somebody out there knows something about the disappearance of Gina Bose. Please contact the Lincoln Police Department, no matter how small, little, insignificant you think that piece of the puzzle might be. The Lincoln Police Department is at 402-441-6000.
Um, Jim, what's been going on with your week here? Uh, well, other than the mouse in the house last night, it's been a pretty tame week. You could probably write a song or a short <laughs> story about that, the I, mouse in the house. I will leave that to the skilled singer-songwriters out there, like uh, Janelle and, and my friend Carolyn. I've had a great week. I've been very busy. Uh, I've been trying to figure out when I'm going to get the lawn mowed, but right when I was going to mow yesterday, it rained. Oh, shucks. And uh, I had it planned for this afternoon, but it looks like... <laughs> It's raining as we speak, so mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'll be doing that today. Oh, darn. Maybe you just yeah. play some guitar, huh? Sure. Yeah. That'll work. Okay. Our main guest coming up after the announcements is going to be Paula Harris, and she's the uh, well-known journalist that travels all over the world. What else should I tell you about, folks? Let's see. I think that's it. Let's go ahead and do the bottom of the hour break. And we'll be back with our main guest, Paula Harris. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorty. And you guys and gals, we are exploring unexplained phenomena. and dudettes, it's Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 402-436-2384. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. 
I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. born with exploring unexplained phenomena due to the rain and cold KZUM's art and culture festival has been changed and moved indoors to the Ald Pavilion at Antelope Park that's from 12 to 5 today live music vendors activities and food so again the arts and culture festival Continues, it just is being moved to the Ald Pavilion, indoors at the Ald Pavilion at Antelope Park from 12 to 5. Then join us at the Zoo Bar at 6 p.m. for the derailers and sidewalk chalk. There's more information on the KZUM Facebook page. When, when you're curious, what do you do about it? Sometimes you uh, let that kind of abide and just rest for a while. Sometimes you are motivated to find out more. And sometimes that motivation can be because of personal experience or I'll say personal extraordinary experience in 1974 I was visiting mom and dad Sunday night dinner my girlfriend Debbie and I had gone to see my parents and after dinner, my dad and I were on the patio on lawn chairs facing the north. We weren't talking much. We were kind of going through a rough patch in our relationship. Dad was on my right. And in the silence, he said, uh, he pointed across my chest to my left, and he said, Scott, what do you make of that? I turned my head to the left and looked, and there was a spherical-shaped object that was gunmetal gray that was floating in the sky from the south to the north. Because of the shape and proximity, I knew that it wasn't an airplane, a helicopter. It wasn't a flock of birds. It wasn't a swarm of mosquitoes. It wasn't a frisbee or a trash can lid held aloft. It wasn't a, a trailing sign from an advertising airplane. It wasn't the planet Venus. <laughs> I knew that it was something very odd. 
I jumped up and banged on the kitchen window and yelled for my mother and Debbie to come out. They did. And we stood and watched this thing going from the south to the north. And to keep it, it was so low, to keep it in my line of sight as it went over a tree line to the north of the property next door, I ran south down the driveway, ended up on the front porch of the house across the street. Uh, then Lancaster County Sheriff Dale Adams' house and stood on his front porch on my tiptoes watching this thing disappear over the tree line. That was in 1974. That whetted my curiosity. Intellectually, it was a spark for me. And that spark remains lit and burning all these years later. So curiosity can come from a number of things. It can come from um, a book that you read, a deep, profound conversation with somebody that you respect and admire. It can come from personal experience. With me is our main guest, Paula Harris. And Paula has devoted the majority of her adult life to being curious and to look deeply at this UFO mystery. And she joins us usually every second Saturday as an opening segment guest with an update on her work. And we are so fortunate at times like this to have her as a main guest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my buddy and colleague, Paula Harris. Hi, Scott. How are you? It's good to hear you. Always better when I'm hanging out with you. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> In other words, Scott, you like weirdness. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious. I am curious. <laughs> and uh, I just, I set the stage by talking about my personal experience from 1974 and that that persistent curiosity that I won't call it an itch but that that wonderment has remained with me all these years uh, Paul what got you started long long ago what why why UFOs well, I, you know, I w I'm a teacher of a master's in education and in 1979 I was given a high school class uh, called uh, science fiction. It caused a lot of, of, of trouble, Scott, I'll tell you this, because I'm an English teacher, so I was given many classes. And in 1979, uh, that's when Star Wars came out and everybody was curious, and that's when Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. So I had great material. I could use all the classics like Dune and the Martian Chronicles and Jules Verne uh, work, you know, the time machine, and I could teach classics, but then I could also recommend films. And um, so I was really lucky. So I went to see Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and the last part of that where uh, Francois Truffaut plays Jacques Vallée, mm -hmm. um, you know, has that encounter with the beings, and he's smiling, and 
uh, they have that hand motion in the in the tones uh, in that film. It just moved something inside of me, and I began to cry. And I I didn't understand. I had a very emotional uh, reaction. And uh, you know, as my life is very much coincidences, there was a wedding in Evanston, Illinois, where. Uh, Kufos, the Center for UFO Studies, was located, and Alan Hynek, you know, left Project Blue Book. By the way, Project Blue Book's going to be on the History Channel starting this month with Alan Hynek, uh, and, uh, you know, with someone playing him. And I went to to see Alan at the Center for UFO Studies, and here's this very distinguished man with white hair and a pipe coming from around the corner. And he, I didn't think he'd be there, and he was there, and he, he came over and he said, would you like to work with me because you speak Italian, I have all these uh, these cases in Italy, and you can translate them for me. So I got to, to work with, for um, at least six years, the godfather of ufology, wow. the scientist astronomer of Project Blue Book, and nobody can have a better teacher than that. <clears throat> right. I, I had... Uh and continue to have great respect. Okay, Jim, you got that under control there? I think so. <laughs> I thought I had something that uh, apparently is... Okay. okay. I, 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 I have great respect for Dr. Heineck because he was a guy that... He was employed through the Air Force ostensibly to investigate UFO reports. They really wanted him to debunk things. But intellectually, as he looked at the information, report after report by solid, uh, credible witnesses, something in Dr. Hynek was moved. He could no longer play that game because he realized, didn't he, Paula, that there was a mystery that was happening? Yeah, he realized he couldn't explain them. And what the uh, the Air Force wanted was to give people, you know, logical explanation. Well, how in the world, you know, you just you just described your uh, sighting. What kind of logical explanation are you going to give for that? So uh, in the beginning, yeah. you know, he was calling it swamp gas and all kinds of things and then he had to change his mind he had to uh he had to change uh, his thinking and so he had courage enough and a lot of people when i met him were still criticizing him for having been part of blue book um but heineck was very 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 angry at um edward condon here at the university of colorado in 1969 when condon did the whitewash saying there was nothing to the UFO phenomenon and, uh, you know, put out that report. So Heineck was very, very upset with all of that uh, because he saw it. And, and Heineck was like us. He was in wonderment, in mm -hmm. wonderment. In fact, in the movie, you see him looking up at the sky with his pipe. He's got a cameo. And he was he was in wonderment. He, he, he was like, wow. Uh, and and he lived like that. He he couldn't just do what they wanted him to do. Uh, I, I want to give you a side story, though, Scott. In mm -hmm. in the History Channel version of Blue Book, um, he he's not allowed to to have the pipe. 
because of the smoking situation, because now we don't portray anybody smoking. And <laughs> that, isn't, that isn't how he was. He had that pipe all the time, and he wasn't smoking it. He just used it to bite on and as, as a prop to carry it around with him. Mm-hmm. And that's a darn shame that the modern version of, of Blue Book doesn't have Alan with his pipe, because that was his trademark. Yeah, we were so fortunate to have him uh, here at Lincoln, Nebraska for a conference in the 1980s. I had a chance to pick up Dr. Heineck from the airport and take him to the hotel, and it really enjoyed that conversation with him. We had a, uh, a welcoming dinner for him down at the Wilbur Hotel. Uh, Wilbur is the Czech capital of Nebraska, and um, the mayor gave him an honorary key to the city, Dr. Heineck's uh, cousin that lives in Wilbur was there, and we had just a tremendous dinner. Uh, and uh, the conference that he spoke at, there were people, Paula, from all over the world that had come to cover this. Um, the Nippon News Service had sent a film crew from Japan um, doing uh, a whole series of interviews with people. Uh, when Dr. Heineck and then when Larry Fawcett gave presentations, there were flash bulbs all over the auditorium, and he really felt like there was, um, there was news being made. Uh, <clears throat> we got notice that uh, Ted Koppel had requested Dr. Heineck to drive to Omaha, Nebraska, so that Monday night uh, he could appear on uh, Nightline with Ted Koppel. So we changed with Dr. Heineck's permission. We changed his travel plans. Uh, we drove him up to the ABC studios in Omaha, Nebraska. It's about a 60-mile drive. And he was waiting to go on air moments before his appearance. The producers for Nightline said, we're going to scrap that because we've got a more pressing story we've got to cover. What was that more pressing story? Than the UFO mystery, it was the Greyhound bus strike. <laughs> oh no! And that was, you know, Dr. Heineck understood that that was again uh, a slap at him. That was a, a snub at the the study of UFOs. You know, let's uh, let's tell people about the bus strike. That's a lot more important than this UFO stuff. Uh, but he soldiered on. So. You got your start with him, and you saw him use the scientific method. You saw him travel, Paula, to areas of the world to investigate the phenomenon. Uh, And in some ways, and I mean this as a compliment, you're kind of a female Dr. Hynek, because what you learn from him, Paula, is that it's important to have boots on the ground. Well, Scott, you're right. But what I learned from him, because I was so young, I wasn't that young, I was in my 30s, but I didn't understand three quarters of what was happening. And I, I, I used to say to him, why are you listening to those people who are saying that they've been taken and have contact? And I couldn't understand why he would consider those people credible. I mean, of course, I've come so far today. But... um he was, he told me, he said, Paula, he said, the way you investigate is to listen. 
you listen. You do not, uh, you know, uh, interject or interrupt or put your own ideas in there or intimidate the witnesses. So he used to sit there, and I used to watch him. He'd have that pipe in his mouth, and he'd have his head down, and he'd listen to the whole entire story. So listening is very, very important if you're a researcher, listening without judgment, listening to the whole story, even though you, you may be in your head going, this is crazy, this is not, you know, normal and so forth. He taught me how to listen. He was a very, very um, calm he was a very calm, he was a very spiritual, he was a very logical person, and uh, he taught me how to listen, and, and, and that's what I do today. And, uh, because if, if I start, you know, making judgments as people are talking, I don't get the whole entire story. And, and uh, he just was a great interviewer, Scott. He was amazing. Interestingly enough, that was the title of my presentation I gave at one of your events back in 2014, the Starworks USA UFO Symposium in Chicago. The, my presentation was listening to the witness. Yeah, I remember that, and I also remember when we took a picture of you, you had this huge orb over your head, <laughs> <laughs> which, which never has happened to any of our speakers. So somebody must be following you. Yeah, we've got the, the website page pulled up here, Paula, and um, after the top of the break, I'd like to talk about this big event coming up, too, in, um, in Laughlin, Nevada, and some of the speakers that are going to be there. Uh, this is a question that maybe I would have reserved for the end of the show, but I want to ask you now, because it may set the stage for the conversation about the, uh, the Starworks Symposium. What do you think the tomorrow of ufology looks like? What's, what's ahead of us in this field? And then probably more importantly for all the people listening, why is this so important for people in general? What is our tomorrow in ufology and why is it so important to people that are listening right now? Well, I really think that uh, tomorrow is a shift in consciousness. When we started this, we needed to prove it, Scott. So mm -hmm. all we did was nuts and bolts, what I call nuts and bolts. All the proof. Uh, you know, Alan used to go to, like, in Socorro, the Lonnie Zamora site. They used to analyze the dirt, the, the, the landing uh, craft, uh, you know, places. They used to see what radiation was. They used to look at the trajectory. When we had sightings over the O'Hare airport, they used to look at the radar reports. We spent a lot of time looking at sightings, looking at the situation, trying to make out on radar what it was. Years and years of data. You call it data. And now the shift is interpreting the data. And the interpretation that's coming is because of location, because of the witnesses, because of the geopolitical situation, these beings are not on vacation. They show up at places where there's conflict. They show up at places where we need to change something, like, you know, uh, if there's an ecological disaster, they're going to show up at Fukushima. They're going to show up at where there's earthquakes, they're going to show up 
at where there's conflicts. Um, and we knew that in 1952 when there was that flap over the Capitol at Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my witnesses in one of my books, Frank Ferguson, was talking about it the other day. His father was involved with that flap over the Capitol in 1952. It scared the living daylights out of the military because they can't control it. They can't tell those UFOs to fly and not to fly around the Capitol building. And that was not because the, you know, those UFOs wanted a a tour of Washington, D.C. They were making a statement. So what's happening in the future is that when UFOs are seen over a particular area, they're making a statement. There is uh, not only do you have to interpret the geopolitical implications, but the people that are receiving messages are giving us loud and clear messages that are coming from the ships. And uh, I, I, my job now is to ask the witnesses, where in the old days I wouldn't have touched the witnesses. I was really hell-bent on all uh, proof, the proof, the proof, you know, the, the uh, documenting data. Uh, we have enough data. So the future is, where is this happening? Who, what are the uh, contactees or the witnesses interpreting? What are they trying to tell us about our planet? So I don't know if I've answered your question, but it's changed. It's a shift. It's a shift in consciousness. And then the, the folks listening, right before we go to the break here, Paula, why is this continuing mystery and being curious, why is this so important for the folks listening? Well, you know, it, it may not be for everybody. I mean, in my particular family, they're not interested in, in, in the messages or the UFOs. But for the people that are awake and aware, I'm going to call it awake and aware, and are looking at geopolitical uh, events, it is important because they do care. The beings that are visiting, uh, the space people that are visiting do care about us. They want us to survive. They want us to grow. And then mostly they want us to wake up. So if you're going to see a craft, you're not going to be the same. You're going to wake up. And when you wake up, you make decisions that are good for everybody. And it brings us into a collective consciousness. And I'm convinced, Scott, that those planets that have collective consciousness, which means they care about everybody, are the ones that are visiting. They want, in other words, it's a very Christic message and that you, you love your brother as yourself and it's a collective consciousness. Those are the planets that are visiting and saying, wake up, you, you want your planet to survive. You've got to care about your brother. You've got to care about humanity. Mm-hmm. You cannot be selfish anymore. Mm-hmm. We need to come together. So why uh, do the people... Uh, that are listening to the program care if you want to come together you we have help from people in other uh, places high places people that have evolved they're trying to give us a message paula after you know i've been involved since 1974 when i can take a step back i am definitely not jaded to consider that if there are other aspects of intelligent life, other sentient beings in the universe and the multiverse, that's still one of the biggest stories around. 
and maybe in the, the wee hours I can think and contemplate about that and hold that thought, that's one of the things that I'm excited about, that um, this trumps, <laughs> choice of words, this, uh, this, this trumps talk about uh, taxes being raised or pestilence, famine, disease, uh, murder, mayhem, all the stuff that grabs our, our media headlines day in and day out. This is, a, uh, to me, a much bigger story, and it affects every single one of us. It is about waking up. Paula, hold on here. We'll do the top of the hour break. Then I'd like to talk about some of the people that conference registrants and people going to the symposium, some of the speakers that are going to be there, um, maybe give us a little snapshot of some of these folks. Paula Harris, her first name is P-A-O-L, I'm Scott Colborn, and Jim Shorney. Are we just going to call it one cup of coffee or we're going to have some more? I think we're going to have some more. Okay. This is this is pretty strong Colombian, so your eyes are wide open. I, I may have to have you like strap me down in the chair here. But, uh, this is always fun to have Paula here on the oh, show. Oh yeah, folks, stay tuned for more conversation. As Paula said, aware and awake. We'll be right back after this. Hi dudes and dudettes, it's Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress, but big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Paula, what'd you think about that? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Um, uh, I looked that up just I for did you. The Devil's Tower. 
Shore, uh, Wyoming. I was there two years ago, and um, I have a story about that. I, I, I was there with some friends, and I saw this huge tower, uh, you know, this tower, which is really a rock monument that's, that's very sacred. It's called Bear Mountain to the Native American cultures. And it was the white man that called it Devil's Tower. You know, we have to put religion in everything. And uh, the, it, there's a lot of Native American ceremony. And when I was there, the um, the the troopers, the ones that, that work with the, uh, the national parks, had a, a ceremony at night. They had uh, stargazing, and, uh, and and they were going to explain the constellations. Well, part me, I I wandered away into the forest. I I wanted to see if I could walk in the forest and meditate. And what happened is my friend came to grab to find me, and she grabbed my arm and she said, "You can't wander around here by yourself in the dark." It was eleven at night, and just as she grabbed my arm, we both heard. Da 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 da. We heard it in the forest. We wow. heard the tones. We heard them like like they were loud. And I thought that is the weirdest thing. I mean, instead she said somebody must be walking around with a boombox, but I don't think so, Scott. I think that's another of the weird things that happened to me. Uh, she was a witness, thank God, because she was with me, and I heard the tones. It was like somebody said, "We know you're here," and they. They played the tones in the trees, so it was incredible. Well, I think any of us that have ever seen that movie has those tones indelibly etched in our minds. Yeah, it was a. It was yeah, a, but I didn't expect to hear them in the forest. Well, sure. Under Devil's Tower. <laughs> like, I thought, oh, is that ever weird? That, that would be yeah, something. Those yeah, those were uh, the whole. The whole entire uh, movie was about communication mm -hmm. with ETs and the the vibrational tones that you could use because you certainly can't use language. Everybody has a different language on the planet, so you know that was a, a genius idea to do the the tones. Mm -hmm. it's still a profound movie to this day, and uh, watching uh, Richard Dreyfus, his character is. He transforms due to his close encounter uh, was near and dear to me because I um, helped to co-facilitate a support group since 1988 of people that had had close encounters and I saw those same things taking place in our group members um, Paula I've got the uh, website pulled up starworksusa.com and I'm looking at the list of speakers. Um, who's Emery Smith? Okay, Emery Smith is an insider that has, has become very, very popular on Gaia TV because he was presented to the world by David Wilcock. And the thing uh, that, that is important about Emery is the reason I'm having him is because I've known him for 10 years. I, I worked with Emery. Emery was... Um, Dr. Greer's bodyguard on the film Serious. So I got to meet him there. He was uh, with us doing um, uh, close encounter protocols out in Crestone. So I got to meet him and I knew what a, a humble, wonderful person he was. And when he came forth with what he had been doing in the Air Force, I was in shock like everybody else that knew Emery. He, the reason why Emery came forth was because he was in biomedical working in uh, 
in uh, 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 I, I, we can call it black projects, but secret projects at Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico. And he had worked in those projects for many years, including testing uh, tissue samples that belong to extraterrestrials. And he is biomedical, which means he was able to work and, and develop new um, strategies for curing uh, diseases, curing cancer. He's, he's a technician. He's like a techno nerd. He's basically bio, works in biology. And he's come forth to say that there are experiments being done under these Air Force bases. I knew there had been at S-4 in uh, Area 51 because I covered the Dan Burrish case and I covered the Michael Wolf-Cruvant case. And the, uh, in person, I covered those cases. I met with those men, and they had told me about their experiments uh, in biomedical, in cloning, in, uh, in you know, uh, all kinds of hybridization. <clears throat> so I knew about those already. And when Emery came out with his testimony that he had worked in these projects and that there was this going on, this cloning, this hybridization and so forth. I knew it was real. And then um, I began talking to Emery and I did a major article for my magazine X Times and it is on the newsstands in Rome, Italy because I write for a magazine in Italy because there is no magazine in the United States I can put these testimonies in. So Emery is very interesting, and he has decided to let himself be interviewed by me on Friday and by Steve Mira from the U.K. on Saturday, asking the questions that everybody wants to know of him. And, uh, and from what – and knowing him because he lives in Boulder, I can guarantee that what Emery is saying is truthful, and it's mind-boggling. It's astounding. And uh, I think it's time that the truth come forward. So once again, we have an official face of the U.S. government and U.S. military saying there is no such thing as UFOs. It's no need to worry, no national security threat. We've done our serious Project Blue Book study. We closed it in 1969. We don't have any more interest then behind the curtain of Oz, when we peek behind that curtain, we see that that official denial is false because of some of these eyewitnesses that have come forward, like Emory Smith, not talking about a story that they were told by somebody at a bar, but their own personal experience. And you either have to look these people in the eye and call them a liar, delusional or part of an elaborate hoax or you have to stop and consider that maybe what they're talking about their own personal history maybe it's true and you've had a chance to be with emory you've gauged him to be truthful oh yes uh he's truthful and what he says which helps me in my research is that the cover-up is being done by 300 or more national conglomerates that have a vested interest financially in keeping it secret, that uh, a lot of them are like, uh, you know, free energy companies, pharmaceutical companies, and so forth, that are making money off the back engineering. 
And I don't need Emory to tell me that. I was with Colonel Philip Corso, and he talked to me about what the Army did. Now, um, we have Air Force with Emory, but what the Army did with back engineering, I have all the details he gave me of how he was involved, Colonel Philip Corso. The reason why Emory is truthful, and, and, and also not only, you know, because I can... Uh, cross-check his facts is because Gaia Television has uh, over 70 documents, including his Air Force forms where he worked, uh, documents on Emory. The, the, Emory is the first insider I think that Gaia ever had all the documents on. I mean, actual documents. The other people, I think, uh, didn't have that kind of proof. Uh it might be worth going to the, the conference in Laughlin just to hear Emory Smith, but there is, there is more speakers. Um, Grant Cameron from Canada. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, wait until you hear Grant. When he hits the stage and gets that microphone, you better hold on to your seat because he is off and running. Uh, he is eloquent. He's funny. Uh, and he is jam-packed full of personal experience and research. Uh, and he was also with you when you had a close encounter of your own. No, he wasn't with me. He recorded it. He wasn't there uh, uh, when I had that encounter in Shasta, but he came to Shasta in order to videotape it. Uh, videotape because and and it's good you we we talk about this Scott because he's a field researcher like me mm-hmm. I mean he's going after my conference he's going to spend almost a month in the United States and is going down to spend at least a week and a half with Clifford Stone I mean my goodness Clifford Stone who is army also did crash retrieval is a wealth of information he's he's an insider he's he's still living he's got all this information and Grant is the kind of person that, you know, like me, travels all over and talks to the people. He does not get his research off the Internet. Uh, and Grant, he started his career doing UFO documentation with presidential involvement. He, go, he went to all the presidential libraries, pulled out all the documents, and, and got involved in what the presidents knew. And he shifted from that. That's why I have him. Uh, now it's the third time in my conference because he shifted. He did the shift to consciousness. So when Grant talks, he goes, you know, this is all the nuts and bolts stuff. But guess what? This is a, a consciousness-raising situation. And uh, people are being downloaded and changed and given messages. And he said it's important to listen. So what we have with Grant is a field researcher who has, who has like Colin Andrews, he's the other one, shifted over into consciousness studies. For folks that have had a uh, close encounter, up close and personal, and there are uh, researchers that would say that um, if you've seen a UFO in close proximity, you may indeed have had even a closer encounter. Gwen Farrell is going to be there, and Gwen is one of the folks that uh, I met through your organization, StarWorks. She is a experiencer therapist, a hypnotherapist in Phoenix, Arizona, and she's going to be doing two sessions that are available for folks that want to walk in the door, uh, that want to find out more about maybe their own 
close encounter, their, their own contact experience. How did you meet Gwen? Well, I, I go to Phoenix a lot. In, in Phoenix, there, I have a lot of friends, especially the MUFON people in Phoenix, and, and, and Gwen is part of that. And Gwen has written a book also, uh, and she's very much uh, very empathetic towards experiencers. And I need to do that, that session in the morning uh, with people because it's very important. And you know this because you, you do it as part of your radio show. But it's very important to listen to people. And she, being a hypnotherapist, she's a wonderful, wonderful facilitator. So, uh, you know, Phoenix, Arizona has a whole group of people I'm involved with. Uh, you remember the Phoenix Lights? I, I'm, sure. Next year I have the two people from Phoenix MUFON speaking, uh, uh, Stacy Wright and Jim Mann, uh, who are very, very knowledgeable. And so, yeah, that's how I met her, and it's so important that people attend that session. Um, Ricardo Gonzalez, a gentleman from Peru, uh, I saw and met him last year, and his, his story is remarkable because, again, he's not talking about somebody else's story. He's talking about his own face-to-face interactions with other sentient beings. Yes, uh, Scott, and it's also a challenge for me because, you know, he doesn't speak English <laughs> very well, so I have to get an interpreter when Ricardo speaks. Ricardo currently lives in Argentina. He's also a researcher, just came back from Mongolia and from Israel. He wants to go all around the world and see what the connection of the messages are he's being given. And Ricardo will talk about what the future holds in store because he's being given messages about future events. Uh, and he's very much into world peace. Ricardo, his greatest mission is bringing the world together under meditation for world peace, and he will be getting the award this year from Starworks for his initiative, getting people together under that banner of world peace. He was here in Crestone with 50 people. We were meditating uh, on my land in Crestone under the stars, and just people were transformed because... What he says is, don't look outward, look inward for the answers. And, uh, and, and people did look inward, and it does shift not only your whole consciousness, it changes your reality. It's amazing. So Ricardo, everybody loves Ricardo Gonzalez, uh, so he will be speaking on Saturday. Very, very important uh, that people attend that, that uh, lecture because he's going to be talking about future messages. Mm-hmm. The um, theme for this year is Starworks USA UFO Symposium. It's open to the public. The theme is Return of the Star People, Messages from the Past, Present, and Future. Uh, how does Jim Graywolf Petrucci fit into that? He's a shaman. He's a Native American sh- uh, shaman. He works with the uh, Star uh, Nations. And he represents the Star Nations in Washington, D.C. I don't know how many times uh, Jim Petruzzi has gone to Washington representing the Native American cultures. And with Danny Sheehan, that's our major speaker, our keynote, uh, who is the counsel for the Lakota, uh, Jenny Sheehan is just uh, 
finished the case with Chase Ironize and and uh, had him liberated from jail because Chase Ironize was part of that demonstration with the water protectors, uh, you know, two years ago. And so I have uh, all the information about the water protectors. The water protectors and Jim Petruzzi and um, the Navajo Rangers and Clifford Mahoudi are going to talk about the importance of, of being close to the earth the importance that we need to save this planet, the importance of, of simplicity, of being part of a planet, which the Native Americans have known forever because their ancestors came from the stars and said, take care of the planet. So Petruzzi is a shaman who will talk about his, his own uh, activism. And there's a lot of activism in this, in this conference. In other words, it's not just static where you sit around and listen, you want to do something. You want to save the earth. You want to be part of the earth. And I think that's what's different from my conference than other UFO conferences. Next up, tell me about Terran Power Green Deer. Now, I know that she's the daughter of a famous actress, Tyrone Power. And when I look at the picture, the publicity shot of Terran, um, the eyes right there, I see Tyrone Power. Tell us about how you met. Oh, Tyrone Power was amazing. I mean, yeah. I study. I, I I basically met Taryn because I know her sister Romina, who's a big rock star in Italy. She married a rock star, uh, Albano. I I met Taryn because Taryn married a Native American, and I met her at the Star Knowledge Conference with Golden Eagle. That's where I met her. So I I uh, she was married to a Native American and. Tyrone Power, I think, was was a very sensitive actor. He was very sensitive. He uh, he uh, he was almost, I think, a psychic. And he, he uh, and his two daughters are very sensitive. And when uh, Taryn um, talks about being close to the earth, and she talks about the Native American culture, because she is also an actress, she has made many movies. She's able to articulate what I can't, and a lot of other people can't, about our connection to the earth. So, you know, Scott, I want women in my conference. I mean, I've been looking at conferences, and there's like 10 men and one woman. Mm-hmm. I've got to have at least six women speaking. And, I, and uh, Taryn is a perfect spokeswoman for the divine fem- feminine, for the uh, talking about the, the balance uh, in male and female on this planet. And she talks about... Um, looking at the stars and trying to communicate with ETs, and I really think that she's an important uh, she's an important addition to our uh, conference. And I'm going to be interviewing her on stage. She's very unusual. You're going to love her because she's so natural. Jan Harzen, executive director of the Mutual UFO Network, he's going to be there. Uh, Jan is a friend. He's a good friend. I think you've met him before. I have him as often as I can have him because we, you know, even though we're not doing data, we're not doing data gathering, somebody needs to do it. 
And MUFON does it, and what they do is they archive and they categorize, you know, digitally all the sightings that are happening. I mean, if you have a sighting in Nebraska now, you've got to call MUFON. Uh, there's, this is the organization that's so important. It's so essential to getting it, uh, getting this study be, you know, something of value, something that's scientific. So, but Jan, who's a good friend of mine, is going to talk about the future of MUFON, how MUFON itself as an organization is going to shift. We have to grow up. We have to shift. We have to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. And Jan is a very enlightened human being, uh, so he will go to the next level. And as you know, he's in the movie Sirius. I mean, he and his brother had a sighting where the craft came down in their backyard and landed. Mm -hmm. I mean, the feet of the craft, it might have been a probe, landed in their backyard when they were children. It It was up close and personal. So he's also a contactee, and it's so interesting to talk to Jan about that. Yeah, folks, if, if you want to have uh, a really interesting evening and you hear me say that the vast number of UFO sightings are never reported in conventional media, if you want to have an interesting evening, get a cup of coffee, a hot cup of tea, and go to the Mutual UFO Network website. There is a live data map, and as you click on part of the country where you live in, the map expands and suddenly you start seeing these reports pop up and you can click on the report you can read more detail if you want to but as you keep clicking and that map gets bigger and bigger for your part of the country watch what happens with all those sightings that are popping up these are things that are not being reported and again one of the reasons why I stress to people it's so important to go to an event like the Starworks USA event is because this is information that's happening and our conventional media is focused in a totally different direction. This is very, very important. When we come back, Paula, um, tell me about, uh, and I'm going to try to pronounce your name, Birgit Noss from, from Austria. Mm-hmm. Let's take the bottom of the hour break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about some of the speakers that will be there. Uh, I'm sure enjoying this conversation with you, Paula. Thank you. Okay, and get ready for this, Jim. We'll be right back after that. Hi dudes and dudettes, it's Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from The Bay, The Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern and The Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Saturday, September 29th brings electric voodoo to the zoo bar and the Bourbon Theater hosts Total Weave and Sundog at 9. That's what's happening this week in Lincoln. Celebrate our diverse city that has supported community radio for 40 years this year. 
KZUM's Arts and Culture Festival runs 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday, September 29th at Antelope Park with local vendor booths, food trucks, art, and live music by Sidewalk Chop. The Derailers. 23rd Vibration. Verse in the Vices. Adam Soul Music. And Paddywhack. Join us for this free celebration of the community, September 29th at Antelope Park. Find out more at kzum.org. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with our special guest, Paula Harris. Paula's website is P-A-O-L-A Harris. That's Paula Harris, P-A-O-L-A Harris.com. And the website for this big conference in... November in Laughlin, Nevada is StarWorksUSA.com. Paula, tell me about uh, Birgit Noss from Austria. Well, Birgit um, is involved in two ways. Birgit, I've known her forever because I've spoken in Barcelona. She lives in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, and that's when I first met her at the conference, Time for Truth. But I also I sent Dr. Greer and Emery to her to but when they went to the hospital in Barcelona to examine the Atacama being. The Atacama being is like a six-inch, six fully grown um, uh, skeleton of a being, and it's part of the movie Sirius. So uh, um, Birgit was there with them because she knows the owner of that being and she knows that being is not a fetus but an example of a life form they found in the atacama desert in chile so she will address that the the fact that that is it is, it is uh an unknown or you could call it an extraterrestrial uh skeleton uh, that it is fully grown that has teeth and she will address that because she knows uh, the um, uh, the owner of that uh, that being in Barcelona, and there's a lot of controversy about that around Demery because he was the one that did the extraction of the tissues. So uh, she will talk about it not being a, a human child. So she will discuss that, and then she takes tours to uh, to the pyramids of Bosnia. And she has talked to me extensively about Bosnian pyramids because those pyramids, like the ones in Egypt, are mysterious. And it is believed that, uh, that they were created by extraterrestrials. So we have extraterrestrial races uh, in antiquity that have a culture in Bosnia. 
and uh, she's very articulate. She speaks beautiful English, and and it'll be great to have her talk about these two controversial issues. Mm-hmm. Um, folks, we'll be right back with Paula here in just a moment. Um, due to the rain and cold, the KZUM Art and Culture Festival is still happening. It's been moved indoors to the Ald Pavilion at Antelope Park. It's 12 to 5 today, live music, vendors, activities, and food. So it's still happening, and the Ald Pavilion, that's where I went for the dances, Nine High, when I was back in junior high. That was where all the bands played, and we had a great time there. So 12 to 5, the Ald Pavilion, it's the KZUM Art and Culture Festival, 12 to 5 at the Ald Pavilion, the Antelope Park, live music, vendors, activities, and food. Paula, you've got uh, two people, I imagine you'll be updating your website, two people that you've invited also to come to the conference. And tell me about those folks. Well, uh, the first, first of all, Heidi Malsan couldn't make it. So what we have is a Canadian film crew that's going to screen a film called Inspired on Friday night, Rob Freeman and his group that have gone to Hezbollah, have gone to Peru, have gone all over the world to chase UFOs. In other words, to get them on camera. So you're going to see amazing UFO footage uh, with the Canadian group of Rob Freeman on Friday. And then I'm still working on this, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Ruben Langdon on Saturday night can't make it. He's stuck over in Tokyo. So I've asked Sid Goldberg from Gaia Television to come and talk about Eric Van Dunnigan because they did 10 episodes of Eric Van Dunnigan, Chariot of the Gods. You remember the, the, the book Chariot of the Gods. And he's going to talk about that because that's what this is all about. You know, the, the star people were the ancient aliens, the, the gods, the, 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 you know, way back in the uh, ancient times. And then we're going to screen the film, uh, and we're going to watch Chariot of the Gods, which is a film. Um, and so, uh, because that includes all the ancient cultures, or all the aboriginal cultures, and uh, Sid Goldberg, that's the producer for Gaia Television, is very articulate, and ha- had done the work with Eric Van Dunnigan in person. He said he might be able to bring some clips. We're still working on that for Saturday night. Um, because Ruben and, and Jaime uh, can't make it. Steve Mara from Phenomena Magazine is going to be there, and I just read his brief blurb on the website, um, the founder of the Scientific Establishment of Parapsychology, and uh, I am fully, fully supporting bringing in people from parapsychology because they have a lot of excellent commentary that I think will be useful for ufology. In the past, ufology was separate from parapsychology. And I had personal conversations many, many times with researchers where they didn't cross over. It felt like there was these walls. And I always felt like parapsychology, there was so much they could offer to ufology. So I'm glad to have Steve Mara being there. Well, he runs Phenomena Magazine online, as you know, Steve Maris, and, and also he's from, if he's from England. So you notice we have these people from all over the world, and we need to have people from all over the world. And he, he is very happy to lecture on consciousness and on parapsychology because it's all connected. 
And that's what Alan, Alan Hynek told me, too. He said, Paula, he said, around the UFO phenomenon, there's some strange things going on, very strange, extremely strange things going on. And he said, uh, and they have to be included, and you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And uh, so it's hard for a lot of people, especially scientists, to understand that the the UFO phenomenon is about dimensions. It's dimensional. Uh, the intelligence community calls it phenomenology uh, because it, you can't. It's not solid. It, it you know, especially when you have sightings that blink in and out. Uh, I told you of my experience in the forest where I heard the tones. Uh, I can't even tell you of, of the weirdness that has happened to me. I mean, my my phone has dialed other people by itself. Um, I've had all kinds of strangeness going on during my research. You've got to include that. You must. Otherwise, you don't have the whole picture, and Steve Merrill will be doing that for us. Um, speaking of strangeness... I've always felt that, that if you can go into the Native American culture, specifically on one of the reservations, and establish a bond of trust that takes some time, understandably, that you're going to get information that is simply beyond strange. It's incredible because a lot of the Native American reservations have experienced um, generations of contact with ETs, with dimensional beings. Tell me about the Navajo Rangers. Well, they're, they're policemen. <laughs> Those guys are, they are, they are uh, rangers, you know, instead of Texas Rangers, they're Navajo Rangers, they're policemen, they're, they're uh, law enforcement. And they have so many stories that are absolutely amazing. Uh, sightings, uh, high strangeness, uh, because Arizona is filled with that. You have desert in Arizona, and they are very, very good at, at describing the real concrete things they have to live through as police officers, as, as law enforcement. And I think, it, but they also have a culture of Native American. They're both Native American. So you have amazing stories that they're going to tell you and uh, tell the people, and, and they're all true. Mm -hmm. And then you have to try to put it in, in, your, uh, in your psyche and try to fit it in somewhere mm -hmm. uh, because it's all, part of the, it's all part of this phenomenon. So I'm so lucky to have them. They are from Arizona. They're both wonderful guys, and, um, and I'm going to have a panel at the end. You know, we have that famous panel. So I'm going to put uh, them with Clifford Mahoudi, with Daniel Sheehan, the, the, the lawyer, and Danny Many Horses, who will be one of our, um, uh, he will be one of our ritual people who will do the round dance and play the flute in the lobby. So all these Native Americans will be on a panel, which will be great because I get to question them. I was privileged, Paula, uh, many years ago to meet uh, a gentleman whose name is Three Eagles. Uh, he's now deceased. He was a Lakota medicine man, and he was, um, he would be the definition of old school. Uh, it took Three Eagles and I probably six months of cautiously feeling out each other to establish a bond of friendship. 
And at that time, I owned a bookstore, and unannounced, he would show up. I would hand him a guitar, and he would sit in a chair in the bookstore and softly play guitar until there was a break between customers, and he and I would talk. He got interested in my work with um, people that had had close encounter experiences, and we started talking about some of his personal experiences. So he said... Um, how would you like to have me come to one of your groups and I can do a healing circle? Uh, and I said, fantastic, because I had great respect for him. So he came to our group and we arranged Paula, our chairs in a circle. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to chant in Lakota and then I'm going to chant the same thing in English and we're going to ask for healing for all you people in the traditional way. And he had handpicked sage from Harney Peak in South Dakota, and he lit that in a bowl, and he began to walk on the inside of the circle slowly around with this sage smoldering and chanting the Lakota. Paula, do you know what happened as he got closer to me? What? I experienced an auditory phenomenon I heard the sound of powwow drums. They got louder wow. and louder. So that's amazing. I mean, that can happen. You went into another dimension, and you, yeah. in time doesn't matter there. You heard something. As he came around to me, they were at their zenith of, of volume. As he walked by me, the volume dropped and dissipated. And I knew that he didn't have, because of the quality of the sound, uh, it was everywhere. It wasn't coming from a hidden tape player in his pocket. Uh, we were playing nothing over the sound system in the store. It was a very unusual auditory phenomenon. Uh, and just to toss this out, Paula, you know, if you and I were ET scientists and we wanted to study human beings, but we wanted to be fairly secretive for a number of reasons about our work. If we began to learn a little bit about human beings, we might pick areas in which people were very close-knit, they didn't talk to outsiders much, they stayed within their own, almost a community within a community. And that would be, one example would be, Native American res reservations, where there is a natural boundary with outsiders. There is a distrust, uh, understandably so, of outsiders. And what happens on the reservation pretty much stays on that reservation. If I was an ET social scientist, that would be a perfect place, I think, to try to interact with people. And that's my theory. I think I can back that up with reports from reservations. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I would add another thing that could be revolutionary. I think that that uh, that there's some DNA, ET DNA, in, in our in our um, original indigenous people. Now, that's not only the Native Americans, because the Native Americans are indigenous. So they know the earth. They've got the truth. They believe their ancestors come this from the stars. Go down to the Mayan and the Incas. 
go down there. Go to the other indigenous people and places, the Etruscans in Europe, uh, the ancient Greeks. Uh, is mythology real or was that ET driven? You, you can you can go and look at all the original peoples, and maybe the original peoples had the truth, the original peoples of the planet. Then the the, the religious structures came in, the institutions came in and controlled the people, and that's when we all got lost. But the uh, the the original people of the planet knew their connection with the stars. Paula, one of the things that I enjoyed about my um, participation at the Starworks USA UFO Symposiums is that I'm, in public, I'm a pretty gregarious guy. I am really interested and enjoy people, and so I don't simply sit in the audience in that big room. I actually, between breaks... I turn around and shake people's hands, the people are around me. I say, tell me why you're here. Who are you? Why, why are you here? What brought you here? And it's so fun to meet these people from all over the world that come to your event. Some folks, for the first time, some people say, you know, they wouldn't miss it. They went to one event, and that captured their imagination, and they want to come back again and again. There, there is a, a special magic in being there live that you can't get by watching video or seeing a photograph. The, the energy is not the same. Being there live and mixing with these people in that same room uh, is uh, incredible. And, you know, uh, my opinion of Dr. Stephen Greer really changed, Paula, after I saw him. Because I saw a guy that... Uh, he paused, and he wept. Yes, uh-huh. And a very sincere yeah. display of emotion. And so I, I had to rethink some of my own personal opinion about Dr. Greer because I saw how profoundly and deeply he was moved by this mystery. Yes, uh, and he's another one that I will support because he does something. He's an activist. Um, yes, he is deeply moved. Uh, in fact, when I when we were doing the movie Serious, uh, you know, I'm also consulting on his on his latest film that he's doing now. We have something like four hours of Monsignor Balducci that they're editing on his latest film. I don't know what the name of the film is that he's working on right now, but. I know that we have these four hours of Monsignor Balducci uh, that, are, that are going to be amazing, that are going to be in the film. But um, Dr. Uh, Greer, um, when we finished the movie series and we were out in Crestone in the middle of nowhere for six days, um, I remember at the very end he, he, uh, uh, he put his arms around me, he looked up at the sky, he, he looked at me and he said, why would you do anything else? Why would you want to do anything else? In other words, I don't want to go home. I want to stay under the stars, see the Milky Way, and be as close to the cosmos as I can. Because, I don't know, Crestone, if you've never been there, is the darkest place on Earth. So you see the whole entire Milky Way, every star in the sky. And and it's very moving. And I realized how emotional he was with that particular move. Uh, Paula, what do you, in your spare time, which sounds like there's very little of, what do you like to do for fun? Give us kind of an inside glimpse of Paula Harris. <laughs> You're so funny. Uh, 
funny. <laughs> I love to cook. I love to cook. I love to watch movies. I go to the movies all the time. I love to swim. Um, I love to, I love everything. I love music. I love to go to concerts. Uh, you know, I, I, I love, uh, in fact, this particular time, since it's so close to Las Vegas, I'm, we're, we're going to go into Las Vegas and see a show. Okay, sure. So, you know, you have to be balanced. You can't do this 24 hours a day. No. It's, it's not normal. So, yeah, I love to go to restaurants. I love to, um, movies I love. I'm already playing what movies I'm going to this weekend. Uh, I, I just, I love everything. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't see a whole bunch of people because Colorado, where I'm living, is very isolated here. But, um, and I think I need the quiet time in order to think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I need the quiet time. So I'm not a very, you know, super social person. And you've seen me at the conference, I'm backstage the whole time, uh, trying to make my speakers comfortable. Because we have a, a, a seven-man AV crew. And, and I will tell your listeners right now that we are, we'll announce in a week that we will live stream the whole conference. So they could, from their home, they could see it all. Uh, it will be live streamed by Portal to Ascension. They will they will live stream the whole event, and Emory Smith will live stream his own separate, so people can attend it even from their home. Um, but I have to be, you know, like watching everybody, making them feel comfortable, because it's a major event. It is major. It's not slapped together. We plan a whole year in advance, like you know. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a, a pizza bar and a taco bar that uh, are lunch options that are wonderful. I, I'm a guy that I oftentimes travel by my stomach. And Paula, I, with your background in Italy and cooking and Italian food and things, I got to tell you this funny story. About three weeks ago, Dr. Fernhopper, who does the show Health Talk before us, he said that a recent study shows that men who take a teaspoon of um, extra virgin olive oil every day it's as or more effective than taking Viagra. And so I've been going to the grocery store and wondering if I would see groups of guys in that olive oil aisle <laughs> talking about the benefits of this one or that one and which has got the best taste. So I, I thought you might be interested in that. Well, I've never heard that before, but then you can apply it to Italian men, and they're very romantic. So I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, Italy is a country of romance. Maybe maybe olive oil did something to them all. Who knows? Paulo's books, uh, Connecting the Dots, Making Sense of the UFO Phenomenon, that is a really intriguing title, folks, right there. Um, Exopolitics, All of the Above, Exopolitics, Stargate to a New Reality, how about this one, folks, for a challenging title that gets you really to think? UFOs. How does one speak to a ball of light? UFOs all the above and beyond. And Paula's latest book, Conversations with Colonel Corso. This was the Army Pentagon officer, the highest ranking Pentagon officer to come out and say UFOs are real and from a number of personal experiences, including actually holding the crash and retrieved artifacts in his own hands. So, 
Paula, I want to thank you very much for all your work in the field. Uh, I admire you, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you in Laughlin, Nevada, November 2nd through the 4th at the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. Well, we love having you, Scott. You're part of us. You always will be part of us, and thank you so much. Paula Harris is our special guest today, and Paula's website, P-A-O-L-A, harris.com paula harris the web link for the conference the starworks usa ufo symposium is starworksusa.com and whenever i talk about these terms like symposiums and things i always want people to know that these are open to the public it's not for elite few it's for people that just like you right now that are curious it's for folks just like you and full disclosure i'm on the board of directors for starworks and uh, i attend the events every year and plan to be there again we'll be doing in fact jim a live broadcast yeah from from that uh, aquarius casino and, and resort that's always great fun i drag people <laughs> up to my motel room to and get, to get on the radio. That's right. <laughs> no, so, no ulterior motives there. So fun. <laughs> it is. Okay, my thanks again to Paula Harris for being Paula Harris. And guys and gals, thank you so much for you folks out there for listening. We appreciate who you are as well. Uh, we've got a great list of programs coming up. Our guest next week. Oh, gosh, get a load of this. Dr. Raymond Moody and Lisa Smart. They have just launched the University of Heaven. Awesome. Jim, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. What fun. Another great show. Our best to Colleen Newholly. And, Colleen, we uh, welcome you back when you can make it here. She's been working. Has she really? So she's had some work conflicts, but oh. she's always welcome well, to come good. back here. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Okay, folks, stay tuned for Vic and Mesoterra, some great music coming up. And again, the KZUM Arts and Culture Festival is still taking place today, 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock. It's at the Ald Pavilion. Because of weather and rain, it's been moved indoors. There'll be live music, vendors, activities, and food. It's the Ald Pavilion at Antelope Park, the KZUM Arts and Culture Festival. Now, we're going to go out with uh, the band Enigma. We'll let them kind of segue into Vic's program. Thanks so much for listening, and until next week, walk in beauty. <laughs>